sometimes I just like to take a moment just to look at everything and see what God is doing. How he's building the church. How he's ministering to us. How we are a people who are growing spiritually, hopefully mostly, and of course numerically. Congratulations, Mama, for the sixth time. I know that some of you were concerned that it would have been Keith and Gina. And would be praying for Gina, <clears throat> laying hands on her, to be a mindly and blessed mama the seventh time. So maybe the next time we make an announcement, it'll be for y'all. We'll pray. <laughs> Amen? How many of us want to see another Collins running around here? <laughs> Gina is on the floor right now, pursuing God. Please, Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Peter Davidson. I'm one of the pastors of the church. For those of you who are visiting us, just to kind of give you a brief thumbnail of what's happening on these mornings as we gather together. We've been going through what we call a commitment to the church series as the church is being reconstituted for a number of reasons, primary, primarily for the reason of our having joined in Sovereign Grace Ministries. And so we have been going through various issues of commitment, rather than just asking people, won't you come join us? We're doing what the Bible and what the Holy Spirit does. Commit yourself to me, not just kind of hang around me, but be committed to me. And so as we have been going through that series, I think it was Keith who preached the last message in the series a couple of three weeks ago. We just had a sense that the Lord wanted to stop the series for a few weeks or for whatever period of time it will be. We don't really have a time issue here. We're sensing hopefully His presence and His leadership. Stopping it and continuing and emphasizing and accentuating this most crucial and central issue for the church, for the life of each one of us in Christ and for the church itself. And that is the, the presence of God in us, among us, not just in a very general way, because everybody knows God is everywhere at all times. But the presence of God in such a unique and continuing and effective and powerful, intimate, fellowshipping, ministering, etc., etc. way in our lives. And so this morning, we'll be speaking about pursuing that presence of God. <laughs> I just really have to let you know how I feel about this. I am up here with fear and trepidation. I just have to let you know that. I just am, you know, very unrelaxed. And I think it's okay to say that. It's not because I'm not used to speaking in front of people. I've been 
63 years old. I've been teaching since I was 19. Speaking before people is an, it just doesn't do anything for me as far as fear and trepidation. The concern I have is the subject. The concern I have is that the Lord will do in us and continue in us what is most vital for us and what is most vital for Him. And that is bring us into His presence and that personal, intimate relationship of knowing Him in a way that our lives will be characterized daily. Daily. With a primary pursuit of knowing, seeking, asking, receiving from God Himself, of God Himself. And all of us, I think, are involved with two levels of pursuit. There's the pursuit of the things that are temporary, and there are the, there's the pursuit of the things that are eternal. And I think if we were to examine our lives this morning, if we just take a moment. If you only had one wish... One wish. Now, in the church, we don't talk about wishes. But if you only had one wish, one prayer request, if you just had one, what would it be? Literally, if the Lord said to you, I will give you just one thing that you ask of me, what would it be? What, where does your mind go? Let's think about it for a moment. If I only had one wish, what would I want? What do you want from life? What do I want from life? If we were able to take a picture of our last week, the last month, the last year or so of our lives, and if we had a film of that, not only the film of the physical activities, the external things, but also what's in the mind, and especially what's in our minds, our motives, and our attitudes, and our desires. What would be the, the big screen items, you know, that coming attraction, the major movie? What generally occupies our thinking and our energy and our desires, our planning, Excitement. What gives us that yes? I think there's just various things. Our appearance. Now, as you know, looking at me, you know that doesn't affect, I mean, occupy very much of my thinking. But for some of us, we know better than to worry about the appearance. But appearance. What I look like. What will I wear? How will I do something to improve myself? Your family. How much of our preoccupation is toward the issues of family, work, you know, your occupation, your entertainment, things like travel and leisure. Financial security would be a large one, especially for men. Always trying to plan ahead and hopefully 
make the right decisions so not only the current family that we have will be secure financially as best we can do it, but also for the future of our family, for children and grandchildren, health. Perhaps for some, what occupies our thoughts is ministry. And maybe even God. God's probably in there somewhere. And you know, the list that I just shared with us isn't a bad or wrong list. I don't believe anything in that list, and we could add several other things, is necessarily wrong. I don't think there's anything sinful in the list. Appearance, family, entertainment. Not in and of themselves. But you see, the difficulty or the problem with the list is not the content. The problem is the arrangement. The location of things. You see, what I did, I asked us what would be the general things that preoccupy our thoughts and our considerations on any typical day or week. And probably most of us were connected to at least some of those issues in the beginning. And hopefully many of us to God himself, but... The real question is not, is God among your pursuits? But the question is, is God the pursuit of our life? Where do we spend most of our thoughts and our time and our energies and our preoccupations and our planning and whatever? Is it to experience and know and pursue and follow and obey and receive from God himself? Or is that just one of the things that are in our hearts? In other words, is God the primary pursuit of our life? Is he the major issue? I remember a while back when the Lord really began to deal with me and various issues in my life. And I remember praying one night and the Lord asking me a very simple question. You know how sometimes someone will say, well, that's a hard question. You ever hear that? Questions are easy. It's the answers that are hard. It's the answers that get to us. The question is easy. And I felt the Lord ask me this. If you were to Lose everything in your life, everything and everyone, all of it. If all of it were to go, would you be willing to give it all up, surrender it all, absolutely have none of it, and be satisfied with just me? Now, you know, that's a challenging question. If the Lord stood before each one of us today and said, if the cost of knowing and pursuing me were the cost of all that you have, all that you've worked for over the years, all of your relationships, all of your stuff, all of your whatever's out there, if that's the cost, what would be our answer? Now, lest any of us flippantly say, oh, I'd go for God. I think if we are serious about it, all of us are going to have a struggle in this area. 
Because, you know, there's an, a thought some kind of way, and I don't know where the devil got this in, but there's a thought that if I pursue God primarily, I'm going to have to leave my nice house in Metairie. I'm going to have to drive an old beat-up car. And he's going to send me to West Wego to witness. It used to be we said to Africa, but I think actually West Wego and the West Bank would be a more difficult place in these pre-Katrina days. Is this post or pre? Post. Thank you. I can't get it. I can't get it. But you know, this is the issue of our life. What preoccupies our primary pursuit? Is it God? Today, as we sit here, that doesn't sound like that important of an issue. It's just another thing, another church service, another preacher saying something to me about God, about religion. And so today, we would struggle with this, perhaps. But there's going to be a day in which every living soul on earth will stand before God Himself and give an account of all that we had and all that we did in our living days upon the earth. And on that day, this issue will be the primary issue of eternity. That will be the day that we will fully realize it was really more important for me to pursue the presence of God passionately, persistently, purposefully than I ever realized. That will be the day. And so, today is the day. Now is the time. This morning, these days, to make our pursuit of God's presence primary, the primary activity, the primary activity of our lives, allowing everything else to take its proper place, everything else to come underneath the umbrella of that primary preoccupation. In my life, if it's okay to speak about me for a moment, in my life, I have been basically changed by two major pursuits. Many pursuits, but two of them have been the major changes and impacts in my life. Two of them. One was years ago, Forty-some-odd years ago, whatever it was, Gene and I, before we were married, through a series of circumstances, came back into one another's lives. And I was teaching. And I was in church. And I was living my life. I was going to say normally, but I don't know if I've ever lived normally, but at least I was living. <laughs> and suddenly, something came on the radar. A girl named Jean Clement. 
And all of a sudden, all the other preoccupations and pursuits continued, but in a much diminished fashion. I continued to teach, I continued to study, I continued to give tests. Continue to live my life. But all of a sudden there came an overarching pursuit. Under which every other activity of my life took its place. In a less priority. Because now my priority was Gene Clement. It wasn't that I wasn't pursuing other things. It was that this priority stole my heart. Captured. Now, some of you men may remember those days. And some of you wives may wonder, I don't know whether he even remembers those days. I wish he would let me know. You know how men are. Unfortunately, most of us are boneheads. And that's just a polite comment. And the wives say, Amen. And everything you did, at work, entertainment, at leisure, at home, while you were dating or pursuing that relationship, everything else fell within a context within that relationship because that was the primary thing of your life. I wanted Jean. Didn't want a mom and them. Didn't want her 1965 Falcon. Didn't want her record, her, her what do you call those, those record players in those days. That's right, record players. Thank you. Didn't want her furniture. Wanted her. Wanted her. And I did everything necessary to pursue her. And thankfully, she cooperated with that pursuit. And the glorious part of it is we have four grandchildren today to prove it. <laughs> you were wondering how we're going to get the grandkids in this thing. Look, I'm taking a long time in the beginning here. I, I, you have to give me some grace. i got all kind of notes, but I, I just felt the Lord changing some things this morning. And so... We just have to do it this way. Jean and I had been married many years. I was saved in 64. She got saved, I think, in 72. And we were living our normal lives. But another relationship captured me that eclipsed this relationship with my wife and with my daughter and with my grandchildren and with this church 
it eclipsed it. And that was this relationship of knowing God in a deeper way. I was already saved. And I remember issues in my life that literally God used to drive me to Him. How many of us have experienced being driven to God through issues? Anyone in here? And I was driven to God. Aren't you glad that God uses issues to drive us to Him? And I can say today, faithfully and truthfully, without any equivocation, that God's initiating pursuit of me, not in a general way, not even in saving me, although obviously I had to be pursued to be saved, but that pursuit of me that began to cause in me a desperation to know Him and to experience Him no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Driven to know Him. I have the blessing of meeting with a lot of people during the week in counseling sessions. And folks come into the office and they bring with them all this stuff. And I sit there, and actually way before I sit there, but I am scared to death. I'm afraid to meet with you. Every one of you who have ever been in the office, I'm afraid of it. I am afraid of it. Why? What can I do for you? I don't have the training. I don't have the ability to reach into a heart. I can't change your mind. I can't change your affections. I can't stop you from sinning. I can't do anything for you. I, myself, this man can't do something for you. And when the Lord started showing me this, the weaknesses and the inabilities in me, it absolutely became the most freeing and joyful thing I have ever experienced. When I tell you that I am excited about being an incapable man, I mean it. Because what it has done, it has caused me to Pursue God's presence in me and for you in every circumstance in a way that I cannot even have the meeting unless I get something from God for you. may have scared Keith to death this morning, but trust me, had I not had anything from God this morning, he would have been doing something up here. Because I can't take a chance on this. And the exciting thing is, if any of you have been blessed by anything, and I know that Keith and Matt and Jeff would agree to this, 
If any of you have been blessed by anything of the ministry of God through this leadership team, it has not been because of us centrally. It has been centrally because the passion and the power and the presence and the effectiveness of God is at work in us, in us, through us, for you, for His glory. It is the presence of God in reality and in power. Effectiveness. Doing a work in us and through us for you. I believe this morning if we were to ask without being tainted with pride, which we are so much, but were to ask for a time of witnessing of what God has done in lives here. Most of you would be standing and coming through because we've seen what's happening. Because you see, it's a presence of God in a reality and in a power that is so present without which don't even go there and be anywhere available for ministry. When people come to meet with me, I've told them, I said, now look, don't be upset. There'll be times we'll be talking and sharing, I'll be asking you questions, and, and I'll do it up here sometimes, and sometimes I'll just stop. And they'll think, has his pacemaker stopped? He's old, so maybe he's having a moment that he's trying to re- collect himself. Maybe those things. Stop. You know why? It's not that I'm not filled with words. I'm filled with words. I love chatting. I'm a chatty person. I taught English. I love literature. I can talk to you all day long and never run out of words. Create them if we need to. Stop. Because I don't have anything from God at the moment for you. I have to stop. Because what am I going to do? Create and make something up for you? So you can go home with something that has been served out of the mind of a man who did not have that shared through the power of his spirit? You don't want that and neither do I. Sometimes, even up here, if you see me just stop, I have to hear from God in a way that I know what to go next. I have notes. It's not the issue of paper and notes. It's the issue of hearing from God. It's the issue of pursuing Him. That's just the introduction. Let's pray. Let's just pray together. Father, we need your presence. Father, with all these notes, I come to a place of almost not knowing what to say and yet not being upset about it, but to say to you, you speak. You move. 
you touch our hearts. Father, this is not about me. It's not about preaching. It's not about speaking. It's about you. You're making yourself radically known by us. So, Father, this morning, no matter how the rest of this time goes, Father, would you create and fan and mature in us a passionate pursuit of your presence? Father, cause us to be a church that is known by one thing preeminently. God is in that place. God is there. Do that, Father. We need your presence. We need you. Amen. Oh, why, why seek the presence of God? I, I suppose the level of our pursuit begs the question. Is there anyone here this morning that you would say, I know God enough that I don't have to pursue him? I pursued him enough, and I know enough about God, and I don't have to go anymore. So all of us in the bag together. The, the preacher first, and the rest of us. Why pursue him? First of all, and primarily, it's God's command, and it's our need. That's why to pursue God. God wants it, and desires it, and we need it. Our pursuit of God is His priority. You remember this word in Isaiah 55, 6? The Lord is saying, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Seek the Lord. How many of us as parents would be satisfied with a relationship with our children that was, from their perspective, a very cool relationship of really not seeking us and our devotion and our affection and our presence. How many of us would like to have our children just to be kind of living in the house and receiving some things and seeing us as another person in the family? What do you want from your children? What do you want from your grandchildren? You want their passionate desire for us, for you, for me. Amen? I want that for my grandchildren. I want that for my daughter, my wife. I want these whom I love to seek for me, for myself. I want that. And that's what God wants. And He commands it of us. Now you see, in our seeking God, we have to be very, very careful about our motive here. Because we have to seek Him for who He is. A.W. Tozer, in a wonderful little book called The Pursuit of God, says this. He says, when religion has said its last word, there is little that we need other than God himself. The older I get, the more I realize all the things that I thought I needed are waning in relation to the one that I really need. Tozer says, the evil habit of seeking God and God, I need you and God, I, I want to seek you. And you know that, have you ever done that? that? Even if you don't say and, it's that little, that little motion of remembering something else. He says that evil habit, 
of seeking God and effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. He doesn't say you can't find God, but what we're doing is we're muddling the waters and we're muddling God's ministry to us with that other thing. So we have to be careful about our pursuit of God. In the and, you know, that and, in the and lies our great woe. If we uh, omit the and, I need you. And if we omit the and, we shall soon find God. And in Him, we shall find that for which we have all our lives been seeking, uh, secretly longing. Secondly, we need God. Turn to Revelation chapter 3. We need God. We need Him. You remember even the great Apostle Paul? I mean, if anybody, quote, didn't need God, it was Paul. But you see, you say, well, those men didn't need God. Look at them. The reason they were who they were and what they did and the effectiveness and the greatness and the power that they experienced in their lives was that these men made the priority of their lives knowing and seeking and pursuing one relationship only. Letting everything else find its place underneath that. And that relationship was knowing God. Slip back just for a second. Hold your hands in. What was that other one? Revelation. Let's go to Philippians 3. And listen to Philippians 3. Listen to Paul. He says this. Whatever things were gained to me, all the stuff I had, those things I've counted as lost. Lost of nothing value for the sake of knowing Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I mean, this man not only said, I'd be willing to give it up, but he had already lost it all. And having already lost it all, he was able to look back from the prison cell and say, I've lost it all. And you know what? In relation to my pursuit of God and His pursuit of me and His presence in me, the way it has been in my life, I say this, that stuff is mere trash comparing, compared to knowing this God of mine. That's what God wants of us. Nothing less. Nothing less. And he says this in verse 10, that I may know Him. Oh, that I may know Him. I mean, Paul, you know Him. You've been to the third heaven. You've received the revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ through the church. The mystery that has been hidden from the ages past. You've written Ephesians. You've written Colossians. You've written Romans. You've written the Corinthian letters. I mean, Paul, you know Him. He says, oh, that I would know Him. You see, because knowing Gene in those days and even today wasn't sufficient just knowing her. I wanted to know her more and more and more. And I still want to know her more. And I'm still learning who she is, even after 39 years of marriage. She's still surprising me. Some ways good, some ways may not. 
You see, the knowing is a satisfaction and a dissatisfaction. The satisfaction of knowing in relation to having already received and a huge dissatisfaction of I need to get to a greater place. And I could not be content with just hanging around Gene Clement once a week. I had to find ways of getting to be with her, speaking to her. She worked down in St. Bernard Parish in those days. Anybody here from St. Bernard Parish? We got some, we got some shrimp heads in here. You got your white boots on, Vecchi? <laughs> Them who from St. Bernard Parish, the real Parish people wear white boots. Those of you from not St. Bernard don't know anything about that. I was teaching in the parish. Jean was working at the welfare department in the parish. She was going down Claiborne Avenue to the parish. And so what did I do? I caused my route to be able to intersect her. And so I got there early at the intersection. And so when she got there, I was able to follow her into the parish. See what happens when you get smitten? I was developing and creating and thinking of ways to get to know her and to be with her. I was not satisfied with just a couple of conversations occasionally and seeing her once in a while. I had to get with this girl often and more often and more and more until it resulted in the great wedding. And that's what God wants of us, to know Him and to pursue Him and to get with Him and to plan for Him and to make our passion and desire in life to know Him in such a way as on that great day of the wedding of Jesus Christ to the church, it will be a glorious day because we have spent our lives pursuing Him. Is it worth it? Was it worth it for me to get to know this girl and to marry her? I say yes. If I had to do it all over again and going back, I wouldn't want anybody else. I'd want my wife. That's what God wants of us. Nothing less. How many of you ladies would want less of a passion from your husbands? How many of you ladies want even an increased passion from your husbands? Come on, if you do, you can raise your hand. It's okay. Every woman in here should raise her hand. None of you should be, you know, satisfied with what you're doing. Some of you aren't raising your hand. We're going to have to get back together in the office. I'm taking notes of everybody who didn't raise your hand. Thems of you who are visiting, we can't do anything about you, but we'll call you. I mean, you know... You see, let the natural passions and what they have done for us grip our hearts. Because what God is doing is showing us a passion, pursuit of Him, an occupation and primary devotion to Him eclipses any and every earthly relationship and activity and situation and gain by exponential numbers can't be compared. Remember the Lord asking me these questions. You say, well, why did I ask you so many questions? Because you see, I'm a hard-headed, stiff-necked, bone-headed man. Somebody I thought would have said amen, but thank you for not doing that. I mean, seriously, that's the truth. Jean can tell you that. She really can. 
And the Lord, and I've shared this before, said, what would happen if I took your wife? Took her away from you. She died. Now, some of you in here have experienced the death of a loved one. It's tough. Verla, it's tough. Pops, it's tough, isn't it? Experience Audrey's death. It's tough. It's tough. What would happen if I took your daughter away and your grandchildren? You'd probably have to lock me up for a little while anyway. Do something. But you see, in each of those questions, I knew I could get through that. Because there are people here who have gotten through those issues. Amen? You're still here. But then he said, if I took away my spirit, but yet, I can't. I can't go that way. I can't make it. I can make it. You can make it through any crisis in your life, but you can't make it through the withdrawal of the Spirit of God. And that being the case should say to us how much more we need His presence active in our hearts and our lives. I read this passage from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22, and as I was studying yesterday, redoing the sermon for the third time, and of course this morning at quarter to six, the Lord is saying, change these things, and I'm thinking, why didn't you tell me that yesterday when I had my computer and my notes out? It would have been so much more of a delight to put it down here, and I wouldn't have to be fumbling around. You see, it's okay to see someone fumbling before you, because... The issue is not how I'm doing. The issue is how the Holy Spirit is doing us in convincing us and encouraging us to seek Him. So I don't mind looking like a goofball up here. The issue is seeking God. And as I was reading Revelation 3, I felt the Lord say, this is Lakeview Christian Center. Read it carefully and well. Revelation 3.14, to the angel of the church in Lakeview, the amen and the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, well, wait a minute. I just felt that the Lord was saying that just too many in the church at Lakeview Christian Center who are making their pursuit of God something among many pursuits. Oh, you're pursuing God. You're doing some praying. You're reading the Bible. You come to church. We enjoy worship. Occasionally things are happening. We have to call out to God a little more. But the context of the pursuit basically is within our own convenience of schedule and level of passion and desire. If nothing else really conflicts with it. And I'm in the middle of this yesterday. It's 10.30 or 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm not finished. I realize I have two or three more hours of work on this. 
Lord says, get up, close it down, go out and pray. You know, the thought is, well, after I'm finished the sermon, get it all together, then I can go out and pray and be more relaxed because I'm finished the work. Are you following me on this? I'm finished the necessity of what I am called to do. Go out and pray. Yes, I'm going out and pray. Shut the computer. You know, sometimes you ever had to speak up to your children? And I went out, and the Lord changed several things substantively, which I probably won't even get to today. That's why you don't have notes. Didn't give notes purposefully because I was afraid that if you got the notes, you couldn't follow and you'd be so confused you wouldn't listen. Keith has the notes, and I don't know if he knows where we are. You see, the issue isn't a sermon. The issue isn't my preparation or lack of it. The issue isn't how I appear up here, confident, able, whatever. That's not the issue. Those are superfluous issues. Really, when you get down to it, meaningless. The issue is, are you going to set aside a very important activity and necessity of life for something that is far more important, and that is coming to seek my presence? That's the issue. So I went out. And in the going out, I didn't know whether the Lord would lead me to come on back in and finish the notes. I didn't know that. I don't know that. But you see, for me, and I'm making this illustration, but hopefully you can take it and broaden it into your own scope of life. For me to say, no... I really need to do the studying and, the, and all this first. And, you know, when I get all that done and I finish this, I finish that, I do that, I get that thing done, go see that one or whatever it is. You know, I had this schedule, I had this person to meet. These are the things I need to do. But once I get all that done, I go pray or go with, get with God, go ask God for a blessing, go read the Word or whatever it is. Then, you see, we begin to make of what we are doing and our place in it of primary importance rather than the presence of God. And very much, I believe we as individuals and in the church are missing the great outpouring of His blessings upon us. Because we're making Him, if not second, at least equal to other things. And God says, I'm not going to even be equal to your most important thing. I am God. I am the Lord. You see, making the pursuit of God in this church is our primary activity for Lakeview Christian Center, for any church, for any believer. It's not an option. It is to be the central passion and activity of the church. It's not to be another thing we do. It is to be the work of God in this church and through this church. How are we to pursue God? 
And when are we to do it? How are we to do it? We are to do it with all of our hearts. Remember Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, the Lord says, When you will seek me and find me when you seek me or pursue me or search for me with all of your heart. I don't want half-hearted devotion. No wife here wants half-hearted devotion from her husband. And vice versa. Why is God less? Remember the passion of Isaiah the prophet. And Keith, I think, read this last week. I think it was in an email of his, and I stole it from his email. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, and that the nations might tremble at your presence, when you did awesome things that we did not look for. You came down, and the mountains quaked at your presence. Have you ever been in a situation... When unbeknownst to you, and really not because of what you have done to try to create it, but that others knew that you had been with God. See, we are to be a people who are pursuing and experiencing the presence of God to the place that in our mundane, everyday activities, the aroma, as Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians, the smell, the of God is reeking from us, being an aroma of life to the saved and of death to those who want nothing to do with God. When are we to seek Him? When? You know, the problem with seeking God is that we don't have time for that. How many of you are too busy already? Anybody too busy in here? When you have about 20 people too busy, Pete, would you get the names of all the others who are not busy? We can sign them up. We have needs here. <laughs> How many of you are too busy already? Oh, a whole lot more hands go up. We're too busy. You know what? The problem is that we are too busy not to pursue God. That's the real problem. <clears throat> That's the real problem. I spent years preparing and studying and teaching and ministering, doing all of that stuff, and then praying a little bit after. You know, just to make sure we get the little praying about it later. I wouldn't anymore do that today for love and the money. Today, if I don't go before God and get in His presence and experience Him and begin to hear from Him first, the priority is knowing and experiencing the Lord, not in doing the work. Because the work and the effectiveness will be as a result of the presence of God's reality and power in me, in you, in this church. Not the stuff that we think we need to do. Continually. The psalmist says, I have set the Lord continually before me. As I said, you see, it's not to be an activity, it's to be the activity of our lives. Our pursuit of the presence of God in power is to be wholehearted, unrelenting, and expectant. 
not allowing itself to be distracted for any reason, rejecting anything or anyone that would interfere, that will not take no for an answer, that will ever be grateful for having received, but will always need and want more of God Himself. The problem with this kind of a sermon is it's just so much to say, you just cut out volumes of what you could say and perhaps even should say if you had more time. Pursuing God. What does pursuing God look like in my life and in your life? All I know is I can tell you this. Is there a deep-seated ache to know God in your heart? An ache! There's that intangible something in the guts that cannot be satisfied. And every time the Lord does satisfy it, it just causes it to be a bigger ache for God. I don't have time this morning, but if you were to read 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 14, Elisha has seen the great work of God in Elijah, this great prophet. And Elisha has been anointed by God to take his place. And Elijah gives him three tests, three opportunities to say, you don't have to do this. And every time that opportunity to be tested comes to Elisha, Elisha says, I will not leave you. Today, tomorrow morning, and Monday, and etc., etc., life experiences, relationships, demands, work, family, and everything else is going to say something to you and to me to say, don't pursue God. Don't worry about it. God's still there. He's going to continue. He's good old God. He's faithful. There's grace today. We're not under the law and all that stuff. And yours and mine is to say, I will not take no for an answer. I will not let any in any one, in any circumstance, at any time, for any reason, to get in my way of knowing God and pursuing Him in a way that He wants to reveal Himself to me in a way that He is glorified. Elisha said, I'm not taking no for an answer. I will not leave this. What was the result of it? you remember the mantle came down? And when Elisha got that mantle, the stream, the Jordan was in front of him. And he popped that thing. That water went back and that man went over and did a greater ministry than even Elijah had. Why? Because Elisha was a man who was consumed with, motivated by, preoccupied with, and directed toward one thing. I must have and I will have the presence of God. I will have it. I will have it. Jacob at Jabbok, I will not let you go. Be tenacious and persistent and wrestling. Why? God demands it of us and He loves it. Say, I don't want to... We're going for the glory of God and for the presence of His presence among us. Decide today. Decide this morning. I realize that my life has not been characterized by priority or pursuit of the presence of God. 
I realize this morning, this has not been the priority in my life. It's just been a whole lot of other stuff that has been good, important, wonderful, and all that. Great. But the overarching umbrella of my life has not been my devotional pursuit of this one who has paid the highest price so I could have eternal life. I have demeaned him. I have put him in a second category. I have dishonored him. Is he worth the following and the pursuit? Was it worth my pursuit of Gene? Those of you know, those of you know Gene and me, was it worth my pursuit? Yes. I needed her. I needed her. They need anybody else needed her. Because that's the girl the Lord had given me. And I still need her. Pursue and anticipate, ask, seek, and knock God's presence in prayer and in the Word. Begin to make these a priority. Look at your prayer life. Look at your Word life. Are you anticipating and asking and calling to God and insisting that God make Himself known in these issues? What about at work, at home, with your friends, at school? Make God's presence the thing, the activity. Make Him Himself the person that you're going to seek. You see, when we have needs, we need God. When we have problems, we need God. When we have circumstances, we need God. When we're lonely, we need God. When we're ill, we need God. When whatever. When whatever. What's the answer for that? We need God. We need God. Let's not be that church like Laodicea. When the Lord looks at our giving, does our giving reflect the hot pursuit of God in our worship, in our obedience? Let's be the people of God that when folks see us in whatever it is during the day, and even when no one sees us and we're all alone, but only the angels can see us and God Himself, God can say, I am the priority of that person's life. I am. Because wouldn't it be horrible if there were a wife here today who could not say, my husband, I am the priority of my husband's life. Amen, ladies? That would be bad. Men, hopefully we all know we are the priority of our wife's life in the natural realm. Pursuing God. I am just hopeful as you coming up this morning. I'm just hopeful of this. Just want one thing this morning to have happened. And that is this. Not that you like or dislike the sermon, agree to disagree with it. That's not a concern of mine. I'm just hopeful of one thing. That some way, the Holy Spirit 
either has or will do something in each one of us today to begin to trigger for some and to enlarge for others this single issue of importance in our life. That issue which will determine eternity. Are we a people who make the pursuit and the receiving of God's presence our priority? Are we that way? Let's pray as we prepare to go to baptism. Father, Father, we remember when Martha and Mary received Jesus into their house. And Mary and Jesus are in the living room and Martha's in the kitchen doing all the preparation. Important work, important work. Getting lunch ready, feeding people. The duties of a woman in her house, very important, which you called her to do. And yet, Father, when she said to Jesus, would you get Mary in here so she can help me? I need some help. And she doesn't need to be just sitting down there. And Jesus rebuked that mild rebuke. Martha, Martha, you're so preoccupied with all this stuff. And really, these things are not that important. Mary has chosen the primary. She's chosen me. Father, in what we do at home, and what we do at work, and what we do with our children, and what we do at church, and what we do at leisure, and what we do anywhere we do it, privately, publicly, mentally, emotionally, attitudes, thoughts, desires, whatever, Father, and whatever it is that we are doing, Father, may we make sitting at the feet of Jesus and knowing our Lord Jesus, the primary occupation and passion and pursuit of our lives. Father, make it so in us that we would be a people absolutely hungry after righteousness. They that hunger and thirst shall be filled. Father, do that work as only you can do, and begin to satisfy us and then begin to give us a greater hunger as we can get more and more of you for yourself, allowing you to do in us whatever it is that you will do, but in this way you will be honored. Father, make it so today. Make it so. Transform this church. Transform me. Transform us into the people who are passionate for the presence of our God. In Jesus' name, amen.